Welcome to Mystics and Broomsticks Podcast with Melanie Dawn and Tanya Ryan. Well, I am so excited anytime you and I get together because it does seem like we are, like, it it requires tenacity. It does require tenacity. (laughs) I agree. But you know what I keep falling back on is that both of us want to be here. So that's that's how I kind of find comfort in, even though, like, we, you know, sometimes it's a bit of an uphill battle to match our schedules, but... We, we are happy to be here whenever we are here. Yeah. I lo- I was actually thinking about that today as I was driving. I was like, you know, I'm going home to do something free. <laughs> I could be annoyed about that. But I'm like, I'm visiting with my friend. And I love that. And I also love that people engage with us after. So it's like fill your cup moments for sure. Yeah. it's it, We could think of it as instead of thinking of it as like free work, we could think of it as like, almost paid social time. (laughs) Totally. Right. Yeah. There's something coming back. Just formalized (laughs) social time. I don't, I don't know. There's anyways, it's it's perspective shifting. I'm sure that there's something to that. Absolutely. Well, we got inspired to talk today. Um, yeah, well, you know, I was going to kind of make fun of us like once again on the subject of people pleasing, because it does (laughs) seem to be one of our favorite Um, I feel like it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving though. Once you like get into this like branch of people pleasing, you go down the road, you're like, oh shoot, I'm a people pleaser. And that's your first step is recognizing that, you know, your motivations are, you know, tend to be trying to soothe others. Like that's like step one, people pleasing. And then, but the deeper you go down this little rabbit hole of people pleasing, the more you realize that you actually like personally, even as a people pleaser have some kind of bad habits essentially that need to be unwound. And so Mel sent me this voice note where she was saying, Hey, another thing I'm noticing about people pleasing, people pleasing. And when we talk about this, just like putting this out there, we have done it before, but Mel and I are definitely coming from like recovering people pleasers. Like as in we too are calling ourselves out. It's not that we're um, calling other people's out. So, I mean, we are, but (laughs) (laughs) Not strictly. We're doing it because we've noticed it in ourselves. Um, But she sent a voice note that essentially said um, that we people please or those that people please are, there's definitely some crossover. Like if there was a Venn diagram, there would be like a big crossover between people pleasers and control freaks. Yes. (laughs) So I think I fall in that category. Like I, I'm, in there taking up most of the space. Oh yeah, I definitely do. Like I have definitely had to negotiate my relationship with control in an ongoing in an ongoing way. I don't I don't think that I don't think being controlling is a is a bad thing. I don't think there are any inherent qualities about people that are bad. It's more like they can be misplaced and used in inappropriate ratios because control is not a bad thing. Control helps you to stay organized. It helps you to stay tidy. It helps you to show up on time. Like there are aspects of control that are super important to running a, you know, wonderful, manageable life. Um, but it's when it becomes misplaced. And I think one of the people pleasy things that I've noticed that really bugs me, I know I've done it though. So I could go back and like cringe at all these moments where I have done it. But one of the people please control things that bugs me is when you try to control 
Like what you're doing is trying to control someone else's experience. And you're like people pleasing kind of in this like circle of saying like, well, you know, oh, I'm sorry I didn't show up like this. And you go into like this victim mentality and it's only because I did this or because I, I'm such a nice person that, and you kind of like try to do all this stuff, but you're not doing it out of the goodness of your heart. You're doing it wanting that person to see you as a good person. I'm yeah. not doing a good job of explaining this. Maybe you can you can do a better job of it. I, I would need to think of an exact scenario where I've done it and then I can explain it better. <laughs> I So in the voice notes that we just had to go back through because we also have goldfish memories, um, <laughs> we, knew we, we knew we wanted to talk about something. But in the voice note um, that I heard Tanya replay back, I was saying that she was saying that she used... Uh, people pleasing to control how people saw her and like to convince people like, Hey, look at how nice I am. Uh, Like, you know, making sure that they like her. And I noticed that I do it when I feel like I'm being a bad person, you know, like I'm, I'm over the top of a people pleaser because I know what's going on behind the scenes isn't lining up with um, what I'm putting out there. It's also, I'm like, I I remembered it for a moment, but that is like, for me, when I'm people pleasing and and actually that, you know what, I'm just going to get real here. So I just had a revelation when I was growing up, there was a lot of like, don't do this. Don't do that. I can't believe you did this. At one point my journal was read and I was shamed about that. And like, there's just been a lot of stuff come up for me lately around shame And so now thinking about that voice note and how I'm like, no, actually, I'm not being a good person and I'm trying to convince people. It's like, that may just be a limiting belief (laughs) because I notice now that I like everyone tells me you're a good person, you're a good person. I have a hard time accepting that because I have this deep underlying belief that I'm not. And like, um, I was going to counseling on Tuesday and I caught myself saying in the back of my mind, okay, now don't be evil. Like try to be as l- l- not evil as possible. And I was like, whoa, there's some real traumas bubbling up here. So uh, that just reminded me of that. And I was just letting you guys in on my world there because I had a total brain fart. But I think that what I was saying in that voice note, I'm actually now not like I see that I was doing that. But at no point in time was that ever probably really true. I'm sure I've been an asshole a time or two, maybe a dozen, but <laughs> not all the time. So sorry to like veer off there, but uh, no, that's what that's what we do. That's how we roll. So, do you think what you're saying is that sometimes our people pleasing is more motivated by the guilt? Like it's almost at odds at what we're feeling in that moment. So maybe I feel like inherently deep down inside that. I either feel guilty or like I'm not doing something right or I'm out of my own, like I'm out of alignment with my own morals. And so then outwardly in my people pleasing way, I almost double down because I'm not only trying to prove to them that I'm a good person, but I'm also trying to prove to myself that I'm a good person. hundred. Yeah. I think that that was old me, but now I have like different eyes. Mm. Um, yeah, I had something while you were talking, but I can't remember it. Um, Right now, it went in and it went out. <laughs> so I wonder if there's like, at at the baseline of people pleasing, we obviously have, there's got to be some insecurity at, oh, at the root yeah. of that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. So that's actually what I was thinking is I think at the root of that, at the root of people pleasing is 
are, we just, this strong desire not to be rejected. We need to be loved. I need everyone to love me. Even if it's like, you know, we saw this kind of like big divide. It's happened on multiple issues more than I'd ever seen in my whole life in this like last kind of two, three years. It just seems like one thing after another. And you can see people who are in one room, very vocal about one thing against this other group. And then in that group, be very okay with every, you know, like you just see how people are so driven to not be rejected, even if they may not align all the way with the people that they're around is just like, they just cannot bear to be rejected. And I, I think that that was, I think that's my underlying thing is I just don't want one more rejection. So if I can control it, if I can people please, I'm going to maybe be able to avoid that ultimate pain of being rejected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, it's that deep. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm listening and I'm like, is that like, is mine the same? Cause it very well could be like, it could be a simple, I know mine definitely there's a, I don't want to be wrong. I just don't know if maybe I rejection is like, if I don't want to be wrong is that's a big one though too. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's a thing. Like I don't, but I'm like, is the the step below, I don't want to be wrong being, I don't want to be rejected because I'm wrong or, you know what I mean? So maybe that mine goes down to rejection too, but I definitely know it's, I don't want to be wrong and I don't want to be in the wrong and I don't want to be wrong about something. And so I have had a lot of like fight and defensiveness and uh, unhealthy patterning created around not wanting to be wrong. And so, um, Okay, I'll, I'll try to think of like a situation. I don't know if this is the best example, but um, I don't know if this is a good example. Well, let's talk it out. Okay. We just want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just a creep and I just want to hear it. <laughs> let's see if it's relevant. If it's um, juicy, tell us. <laughs> when I was recording my first album, um, I got into a situation with, and this is like not a unique story. The music industry is full of shady people. Okay. And I wound up in an environment where I was surrounded by shady people who were really trying to cut corners and all this stuff. And, um, someone, a friend of mine got kind of mixed up in this as well because he's a drummer and he came to play drums on this session. The session was already awkward because of the shady people involved. And then my friend came in and he actually came in. Um, I didn't know this, but he did not charge the producer people like as in I think he thought he was doing me a favor but it actually had nothing to do with me like I had no idea that that was the arrangement I was uh not made aware of anything other than just wanting to have him there um kind of trying to get him into the cycle like trying to get him more uh recording gigs essentially and because obviously I thought he was talented well the whole session went poorly like it was uh like I said, people were trying to cut corners and it just didn't go well. And I advocated for myself, um, but probably a little like a little too late just because, okay, they sent all the musicians home and then I was like, okay, but this doesn't sound right. This doesn't sound right. And this doesn't sound right. And they're like, oh, well, why didn't you say that an hour ago? I was like, I did not realize that you were only going to have these people here for 45 minutes and then send them home because my only other prior experience with recording, all the musicians and everybody was there all day. So I thought they were going out for lunch. Like I didn't realize that they were just leaving for the day because they were there for such a short period of time. So anyways, basically there was a lot of ignorance on my behalf. And also I think a lot of 
corners being cut. So we ended up re-recording and they didn't have the drummer friend of mine back again. They got a different drummer, but they also had a different bass player, a different guitar player. Like they had different everything. And, um, and it, it did go much better. Um, but what ended up happening was my drummer friend felt really hurt because he went in there, he didn't get paid. He kind of put himself out there and then we didn't even use what he, um, what he contributed. Mm-hmm. And I know, I knew nothing about this. He did not even say to me that he was hurt, that he got left out, like nothing. So oh, anyways, I oh. get yeah, there. So then there was this recording that I was like, hey, listen to this. Isn't this cool kind of a thing? And he just kind of kept saying, like, he kind of kept like saying what he didn't like about it. He's like, well, I don't really get it. I don't really get that part. And he's talking about all these parts, mm. like the drumming parts specifically. He's like, well, that part's really weird. Da, 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 da. Anyways, it took a really long time, but eventually he comes out to say, and I think someone actually had to tell me, like a third party had to tell me, well, he's hurt because of like this stuff. And he eventually also told me like, well, I went out on a limb and there was a lot of poor miscommunication, but I remember feeling in the moment, feeling just really like victimized by like, well, you didn't tell me how was I supposed to know how, Mm. how could I possibly, like he was mad at me because I went with a different drummer, a different track, a different thing. And, and I got really victimized about the whole thing. And if I were to do that through the lens of me now, I think what I would change is like, technically I didn't know anything that went wrong. So, but I think in that moment I was so defensive because I was like, well, I'm a good person. If I was, if I knew anything was going wrong, I would have definitely, and I I did go into this kind of people pleaser mode, but more in this like convincing him, like convincing, I'm mm. a good person and I would never have done that to you. And da, 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 da. But it was very defensive. I think if I were to do that again now, I think I would be a lot more grounded in being able to reflect on, okay, what, was feasible for me to change in that moment. And I think I would have been able to listen to him better. Like, cause he was hurt. Yeah. Really, that's what it came down to. The reason he got mad at me is because he was hurt and he felt like um I didn't maybe think that he was good enough or I didn't like his work. Mm-hmm. And I didn't tell him straightforward. Cause that's the other thing he pointed out to me. He's like, you didn't even tell me you didn't like it. And I was like, oh, like, and again, I'm getting all defensive in the moment. Mm-hmm. Now I think I'd be like, yeah, that's a really good point. I should have like been more straight across with you coming forward to you to say, you know, and, um, I, I it's not a great example. Cause it's just like, it's a great example of like miscommunication. <laughs> totally. But you know what, you know what it made me when you're saying that story and how the third party said like, he's hurt. I could listen to someone tell me how they're hurt instead of, uh, judgment, anger, all that stuff. Like, if we just actually owned our feelings and said like, man, I am like buckled here. I don't, you know, I, I, I wanted to, to make you happy and now I feel like I didn't. And there's just so much going on there instead of like picking apart a track instead of saying what you feel. And it, there is, um, I think that all, all, uh, problems we have as humans, if we could just be really honest about our feelings. And I think that, uh, it's hard for a lot of people, especially I feel like I might be like one of the first generations that are actively working through to kind of trying to process their feelings. And we're miraculously giving given enough space to do that by their parents who can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like the, the older people are the more, um, and uh, like not all, obviously, but just like based on a general statement, broad uh, looking it seems like they don't 
they don't really know any emotion other than anger and regular. <laughs> like if there's an emotion attached, it seems like it's got to be quickly first. I'm not wrong, defensive and like anger. And then um, nothing ever really gets processed. And underneath that anger, like anger is a symptom of always something else, right? Saying I've had too much. And underneath that anger, if we could just like really get in touch with how we feel. I think if anyone came to you with that, most people, I shouldn't say anyone, most people would say they'd feel so compassionate towards you, you know? Mm -hmm. It would just change everything. Um, I, I, I've just been doing a lot of thinking about how people communicate. Yeah. Well, okay. This is like going into, I don't know, developing this uh, developing, I don't know what this is, compassion, patience, um, emotional maturity. I, what I'm learning or what I'm noticing about myself is I'm getting better at, still not great at, but I am flexing and getting better at and choosing to put myself in positions where someone's allowed to be mad at me. Like I, I, that was, that was a hard no in my books for the longest time. Like, how dare you be mad at me? It's okay if you come to me and say you're hurt, but it's not okay for you to come and say, I'm mad at you. How are you doing that? Cause I still don't <laughs> like it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my husband has been the most helpful, like, like, cause it's like slow steps. Like, and, and there's definitely certain people where it's easier than others. Yes. Um, but one of the ways has been my husband who is probably like the kindest person I've ever met bar none, but he also is really kind of like temper or has the, uh, these moments of being really brooding and temperamental and kind of mad. And he has helped me a lot because we have, he's a very good communicator. And so if he's like, you know, kind of stomping around and, and swearing a lot and cussing and being mad um, it used to be, I'd just get mad at him for being mad. And now I do that too. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, it's, it, but it's hard. Cause it's essential. Yeah. And I think for us, it's indicative that we don't have very good emotional boundaries. It's if we're just letting someone yeah. mad, make us mad. Yeah. So instead what I try to do is go, okay, one is like, what do I need when I'm mad? Like what, like probably someone judging me or getting mad at me for being mad is not helpful. So I'm going to try not to do those things. And one thing I do to help myself in the moment is I, is I ask him like, are you mad at me? And he usually like 99% of the time says, no, I'm not mad at you. And then I go, then my second question is, is there anything I can do for you right now that would feel helpful? And he usually says no to that too. And so then I kind of just give myself permission to like kind of disengage almost. And then I give him permission to just be mad and whatever that looks like. He's not harming anything. He's not breaking things. He's not doing anything scary. He's just basically being grumpy. And you know what? That's okay. And so that's been my like first arena. And then my second arena is um, like again, just getting into places, especially where they're shorter term. So say I'm going to someone's house or it helps when I know the person is going to be grumpy or mad mm -hmm. or whatever. And then just really just try to not take it personally. Like, Hey, they're mad. And even if they directed at me, that's not about me. And so really kind of understanding, like, kind of like you said that, uh, anger is like that first, like the, the, the cover up for the hurt the or the whatever expression. it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my father-in-law, for instance, I was going to his house and I was like, I, I'm going to be calibrated. I'm going to be ready for him to be grumpy and mad and brooding. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. Um, because he just had a surgery. And I think, uh, did I know his internet wasn't working? I think I knew that. And <laughs> Don't so mess I'm with like, the internet. <laughs> right. Well, I'm like, I have a feeling I should just be calibrated for him to be in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. And I went there and he sure as heck was in a really bad mood. And I did not, it did not phase me at all. And in fact, I think he felt better when I left um, because he was just mad and I think I gave him space to be mad and it was, and no one got, you know, told him to get in line or get his head out of his ass, which he does need to be told that sometimes too. But, mm-hmm. um, he just kind of got to be grumpy and I was, he was honestly, he was right. Cause he had had the internet. Someone yeah. come fix it like three times in four days. Like it was sort of ridiculous. So, so um, so yeah, you get these like little practice people and then friends friends is really hard for me if my friends are mad at me I really struggle with that because I just want them I just want to do right by my friends but understanding that people like that's the goes back to that control thing when I try to like when I don't want someone to be mad at me um I'm not really giving them permission to freely feel even though I will say with my words I'll be like yes I think people should feel their feelings that that's so important but if I get all martyry when you get mad at me you're not really comfortable being upset with me you're not really comfortable expressing your anger to me or I wouldn't be right if you're making me feel some sort of way so I'm just trying to understand that people have the right to be angry and they have the right to be angry at me and despite however perfect I might try to be and I might try to do the right things it doesn't it doesn't negate the fact that I am a human and I'm going to screw up sometimes and I might hurt people's feelings and I might make them mad I might do something to make them mad especially well probably unintentionally right like but that doesn't that's they're still mad and that's still okay and the only way that I can live by the um, ideal that people are allowed to feel their feelings is to actually let them let people feel their feelings. Yeah. Like, and so it's, it's okay that you're, I hate that step. I hate that step too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dr. Uh, Kelly broke, broke in, I think, or Brogan. Um, she has the reclamation podcast. Um, I believe in her intro, she says, I wake up each morning knowing I'm going to piss someone off. And I was like, that's like decent to, to do that. I also wanted to say with um, anger is a lot of times when we express anger at other people, we're looking for that off gas that they're going to give us when we, they get mad back, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like that poof, you get that steam out. So what you may have done for your father-in-law was to disrupt a looping pattern. And when you don't give them, um, Busy Gold calls it like the red and blue ice cream cones, you're holding one, they're holding the other, and you each want each other's. Mm -hmm. And when you react to him, it's like the transfer of the ice cream cone. That's uh, when you don't do that, it stops that looping cycle and it allows people to kind of like feel their feelings more instead of get caught up in that it would have been another drama, right? Like they're just looking kind of like to um, add energy into it or gas to the fire. I love old, old sayings are so true (laughs) all the time. Do you ever find that when you're having like a bad day and then you stub your toe and then you hook your sweater on the handle or whatever, like, and things just like, it's, I I think I'm just adding to, as in I'm agreeing with what you just said and kind of saying like, it could have been for him. It's like, ouch, my knee hurts. And he has, he's having this other pain in his body and, and then this internet's not working and it's like these compiling things. And then I could have come over and, and been rude to him and told him to get his head out of his ass and been judgy. And, and then that's just another thing on his like, you know, compiled list, um, versus 
you know, having someone sit there and be like, yeah, that sucks about your internet. Let me see if I can go reset your router. Like, yeah. and, and I fixed it for all of like 40 minutes. He had to have someone come out again. <laughs> but <laughs> I was so proud of those 40 minutes before yeah. I realized that they were 40 minutes. But anyways, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I think, think that space, people like <laughs> people who space. let you be angry are, are, it's, are giving you such a gift. And I say that as receiving that gift from my husband who, when I say he, he taught me the way I've already said, he's also taught me by letting me be mad. Like when oh. I'm mad and he's just really non-judgmental about when I get angry. And that has been really, really helpful for me. Like he, he just kind of like rolls with it to, to the, to, mm-hmm. I think both of us check each other with and we're, and we're like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> like yeah. really, like if he's been like that for a month, maybe then it's like, okay, let's do some perspective shifting because this is not sustainable. No. Um, but I think that even then, um, we have a really healthy way of approaching each other and going like, you know, and him more than me. I, I probably am a little bit more shorter fused. Like, okay, get your head out of your ass would probably be my approach. And his, he, he has done that to me, but less. Uh, lots of times he goes like, okay, like let's, what's, what's at the bottom of this? Because, mm-hmm. you know, this has been lasting a while or we need to figure this out or like, are you sleeping? Okay. Like what's, what's the deal here? Like, let's see if we can get some problem solving going in here because I don't think you're being your best self or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that's been really a helpful way for me to make space for people's anger too, is just by having someone let me be angry. Yeah. I think for me, like being in relationship with my partner too, he just holds ground for me while I like, I, I wouldn't say I'm as reactive as I was in, a, in my past life, but I still can get pretty reactive. I'll feel the flush. I'll feel my heartbeat. I'll hear it in my ears. Like I get the very visible things. But I think he's tr- he's allowed me to have so much space that I don't have to scream. I don't have to yell that I just get the floor and he'll help me like dig in there too. So I do think having people like we didn't get into this predicament on our own, (laughs) right? We didn't get here because we were heard or listened to or given lots of space to say our feelings. So kind of like reparenting and going up through that is um, I think one of the greatest gifts if you have a friend or um, sometimes I find even employers can be a great space for that. It seems like they're just like arm's length enough to be able to, uh, because I've had like, I, I got quite hot at one of my um, employers because I felt like she embarrassed me and uh, she just held space for me and listened to me. And then I felt like a fool, <laughs> but it was, it was really beautiful to just have someone not hold that against me and let me go from 10 to zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I, I think that is a, a huge gift from anyone in any context, honestly, like just like letting someone know that their feelings are allowed. And um, Miguel Ruiz's uh, The Four Agreements just came to mind. Don't take anything personal. Like even if it is about you, the Mm -hmm. way they're expressing it is not personal, Mm -hmm. right? Like, um, yeah, I got to read that book again. I did not like that book, but it's, well, I thought it was not a book. I thought it was like an Instagram post. Like, I think the best, (laughs) 
<laughs> that book. I was like, it's there was no book with like there was no reason. <laughs> there was no reason for this to be a book. Like it's it should have been yeah. four sentences. Like I love the four agreements for for clarity. I just right. think that that's it. That the, the, the four you agreements what, as those four sentences. If you yeah. don't feel like you need to read the book, you read the four sentences and you understand them. That is the right. book. Just so but you need. <laughs> I think that it depends on where you're at. Like no, where true. you're at. <laughs> Because the first time I read it, I think it was 2011, somewhere down there. And I thought it was like revolutionary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that I think it really just depends on how much kind of like work you've done. Because to some people, this is all pretty brand new that it's actually like the world isn't against us. It, it, that's, it, that could be very fair. I, it just felt like word salad to me. And what yeah. I mean is, is like, because I can't remember them right now, but don't take anything personally and always try your best are the two that I remember. And I'm like, I don't need any elaboration on those. That is, that's <laughs> it. That's, that makes sense. I'm clear. And then whatever the other two are, I'm like, those make sense. I'm clear. And then I read the book. I was like, that's just more of the same thing. Okay, <laughs> then. Like, it's a really small book, too. So it's not like you're but really wasting your time. Have but. you ever have you ever met someone where you try to convince them that they can shift their perception to shift their reality and they are so attached to their reality that, uh, or the, like the reality that they're creating that they just refuse that they have any control over it whatsoever? I think that's why it's so long. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> it's no, for I, that kind of mindset. Yeah. It does. It like I'm like I said. I I have this belief too that because um, I have read a lot of a lot of books. Uh, so specifically, let's use like witchcraft as an example. There are so many like witchcraft books out there, and I have noticed that they all say basically the same thing. Yeah. At the root of them, but they're just choosing a different expression of saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. And there are some that I love and then some that I don't like. And the only reason I love or don't like them is because of the form of the expression. And so I'm like, all the information is out there and it just comes to us in different expressions. And so you just like grab onto the expressions that like make sense with, you know, like that just, you know, click the puzzle pieces in and make sense. And so Mm -hmm. I would never discredit that book as being like, this was a bad book. I just, for me, it was just like, well, you could have said that with like one page instead of like 200, mm-hmm. but you know, like you said, it it uh it's a good fit for who it's a good fit for. And kind of equivalent to the Yoga Sutras too, right? Like mm-hmm. the Yoga Sutras, if you've read them, uh when you read the first verse, you've read the whole book, like essentially. Yes. And even I find uh did you ever pick up Course of Miracles? <laughs> Oh yeah, I've picked it up. Did I've you start it up reading about, it? I've picked it up like 24 times. I've also put it down 25 times. Because yeah. <laughs> I got it. Because you were like, hey, do you want to read The Course of Miracles together? I got it. And then you're like, it's huge. So it yeah, was... Actually, uh, just was kidding. Like, it's basically a Bible and I don't like it this. Is do you want to read Fairy Smut? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so uh, The Course of Miracles is the same, just like the Yoga Sutras. Like when you each um, new chapter, I don't know what they're called in biblical terms, but each new kind of heading, once you read the first one, you've basically read through all the different ways they're just trying to communicate it to all the different people. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll dig it and I'll, I'll be like, oh, I'm into this. But other times after I've read like three or four, I'll move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Just because it's so repetitive. And I think if you think you get it, because I don't know if we ever really get it. If you think you get it, it's just, you, you'd put the book down if you didn't move on. Yeah. Yeah. You got to run. 
No, I, I'm good. I'm good for a few minutes. I was kind of oh, okay. Like, I was just percolating. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I lost it. It was about, Do you like the Course in Miracles? No, but it's because I it like triggers my religious trauma. <laughs> like oh, really? It, yeah, it, it reads to it. It reads so much like a Bible to me that I have really yeah. hard time, um, like just getting past that. And it, I didn't and, know you had religious trauma. Well, not really. Like not compared to people with real religious trauma. Mine is more like I just have trouble reading about Jesus and God, um, I think because of how, um, how those systems have been abused to justify mm-hmm. certain practices, um, like against people, for people, yes. like under the guise of being for people. Um, I just, uh, it's been a really good cloak for some people. And yeah. I struggle to not align those words with, um, the cloak. And, uh, even though I know that there are really, there's a lot of good that that work has done for people as well. I just struggle with, um, not seeing those words and really like, it's funny. I'm actually like dogmatic about the dogma. Uh, I find (laughs) that that religion can be really dogmatic. I, I struggle, like I, I can, I really have hard pushback on anything, any kind of any kind of dogma in any arena I get after witches for being dogmatic. I get after spiritualists for being dogmatic. Um, dogma reads as like culty to me. Yeah. (laughs) So I just immediately, I'm like, that's a no for me, dog. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. Cause like when I, so I, I didn't get to go to church. I went to Sunday school a little bit as a kid and I have like this memory that my mom says isn't true, but of that she pulled me out of church and I loved it. And uh, I always wanted to be in it. So I, I don't know a whole lot about religion, but when we did go to um, this like more freedom church in Okotoks, we, we loved it. And then we went um, like after the new year and it seems like that's their recruiting time. And they pulled in this guy from Lethbridge and he was a hard no for me. Mm-hmm. Um, they had this little table and I don't like a middleman between me and God. So I'm already like probably not welcome in the church. And that's what I, I really like about Course in Miracles is because it, it's always the middleman where the message gets confused, right? It's the human. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, the Bible and everything is so symbolic, um, just like how, um, uh, what do they call those glyphs? Those are symbolism and these stories are symbolism. They're not actual truth. Please don't come after me, but they're, they're, they're symbolic so that each person in their own cultural identity can take them in and consume it. And I found that like taking that middleman out with Course in Miracles, I loved it. So, um, at the, at the religious thing, the, the, what do you call it? I don't know. The Sunday gathering you go to. Um, they had this table and if you joined, you'd come in as a baby, which essentially means you're like helpless and and you don't know anything. And then eventually you could make your way around the table to be like a real human being. And I just like, I did not like that, uh, the way they represented it. It made me feel like I had to like clean myself to be there. And I, I was not for that at all. I, it actually made me really angry um, and Jai has religious trauma. He grew up Jehovah's Witness. And so getting him to go there in the first place with me was huge. And then the whole time this one, I was like, oh my God, 
Jai's going to never want to come back. And I was worried about him not wanting to come back until like halfway. And then I was like, fuck this. I'm never coming back. (laughs) (laughs) And I like, I, I, I was respectful and I waited it through, but we never went back. It's just like, I don't like that. I'm better than you until you follow everything about me. It's like, maybe I have something to teach you too. You know, it didn't, it didn't feel right. I had, um, the best experience I had with my, with healing some of my religious, um, you know, whatever that is. I, trauma is such a strong word because, but was, um, one of my best friends is, is very Christian. And I, have the best spiritual conversations with her. And I feel like we each make room for each other's beliefs. Um, And I've gone to church with her a few times and I've had a really good experience every time I've gone with her. And I just feel like her family is really inclusive of me, despite both of us being a little nervous about her (laughs) mom finding out what I do. (laughs) Oh, she doesn't know? She didn't know. She does now. uh, Because I started posting it. When I started posting on Facebook, then her mom follows me on Facebook. So, yeah. But uh, uh, because my my girlfriend was like a little bit like, "Mm, maybe let's just like not like fully mention it, you know, (laughs) like... Um, but her, her family is still very, very inclusive of me and it has not been like a thing, which is good. Um, but also I've just had some really great experiences listening to worship music and going to these church, um, uh, uh, what's the word S starts with an S when they talk sermons. There we go. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I was going to say seminar. I'm like, no, that's not it. (laughs) And so that has helped me so, 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 so much. Um, but I just, growing up, I just felt like I wasn't allowed to ask questions or it was, you know, considered questioning. And, um, I just also felt like even when I was allowed to ask the questions, there was not real answers. Like I was like, but that doesn't make any sense. And, um, I feel like wild that you're a little kid asking and being like, this doesn't make sense. But adults are like, just like, up. but this is it, right? Down. Yeah. Yeah. Jai said he had the same experience where he would ask questions and they couldn't answer or he'd get in trouble for asking the question. And yeah, yeah it's like, you're like, just go with it. That's how it felt. Yeah. Like everyone was like, whatever, it doesn't even matter. Just go with it. <laughs> I think because like, uh, they get, they get caught up in that. It's not symbolism. Like, like there's so many things to say, like, Hey, maybe this didn't actually happen, but something happened, you know, like it's the same teaching is all across, uh, spirituality. It seems through the universe. Um, well, I feel like so much of it got like, was it translated accurately? Did someone like, cause I do believe perception, the word of God was channeled. I can, I can vibe with Mm, that, but then I'm like, but there are some parts of this that really feel like someone kind of got in there <laughs> and like maybe worked an agenda there. And with yeah. the history of mankind being what it has been, it wouldn't shock me if that was for a patriarchal slash control agenda. Like it just, yeah. so I, I just have a hard time, you know, with that arena, but uh, it might be yeah. just the way they translated it. Like, Sometimes I feel like things don't come through for me as like words. And so I have to translate it to people in, in a feeling and I have the ability uh, and um, of having them there and to confirm that. So it, it could be translation, right? Like we, there's just, yeah, there's so many different ways. Who was the first person who ever decided to, that um, 
like, you know, the university programs, who was the first person to decide that this was the accurate thing, you know, like it just goes so far back. Sorry. I just, it's actually like, just to go on that tangent though, like if you ever listen to theologists talk about the Bible, it's fascinating. (laughs) I want to. Yeah. It's, uh, TikTok is really good for that if you want to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. TikTok University. But, oh, man. I've learned so much off TikTok. Me too. Um, and it, people are like, or, or you're like, oh, I saw this. And then you're quickly realizing it was a TikTok and you're like, on a video. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I know everything because I watch TikTok. You actually do have to, you have to vet stuff on TikTok for sure. Yes. Like I, I, you know, wouldn't buy it hook, line and sinker, but there are some really interesting conversations that have been had on TikTok around theology. And um, it's definitely been very validating for like my 11 year old self, those asking those types of questions and not getting like satisfying answers to mm-hmm. listen to the all just go, here's this answer. And me going, thank you. <laughs> that, <laughs> that actually makes more sense. Yeah, like my life for instance, I guess, um, there is a translation in the Bible that was mistranslated. Um, and this is me not going like from, not from the channeled message, but from the actual translating a language to a language um, was the part about something about a man should not lie with another man. I think that there was, uh, it's actually man should not lie with a boy. So it's actually talking about pedophilia. Yeah. Um, but don't quote me on that because it was on TikTok. So, you And know. you just think like, how did they know to cover everything? <laughs> so wild like yeah and and don't do this and don't do that and it's just I just think it's wild yeah well that could be a long conversation for another day but for today we're going to use this as our segue out (laughs) communication Um, is key (laughs) (laughs) thank you for joining us on this episode of mystics and broomsticks you can hit us up mystics and broomsticks at gmail.com or we are on uh, instagram at mystics and broomsticks and then of course you can uh talk to just mel or myself mel is i am melanie dawn is that right mm. or the, the melanie. melanie dawn you're thinking melanie. of i am jen anderson damn it so <laughs> close so close the melanie dawn and i am at tanya ryan xo uh peace in peace out